and welcome back to another edition of what I like to call from nonsense to God sense as we take a look at some of the things that goes on in this world and we look at them through a biblical perspective and oftentimes we we try to look to other things for the answers that go on in this world and instead of looking to the creator that created the world that put the laws of this earth in motion we like to find other things and sometimes when we look to those other things, it leads us astray, and we've been talking about a, a series. Uh, Dan Delzell is joining me, and we've been talking about a little bit of a series that started with Easter, going through Upper Room Discipleship through Pentecost, and today we're going to talk about something that doesn't get a whole lot of conversation in or out of the church, and that is the concept and the reality and the place of hell. And Dan, one of the things that uh, I noticed this week was an article, and to kind of maybe set the stage for our conversation is that I believe it was the Barna Group came out with a survey, and I guess they do all these surveys around the world, and they came out with a survey based on American responses, people from America. And they found out that 51% of Americans do believe that God is an all-powerful being, that he is the creator of the earth, and that is down significantly, significantly from the 73% that believe that same thing you know, maybe 30 years ago. What is up, however, is the fact that people do believe the existence of Satan. 56% of the respondents said Satan is not just a symbol of evil, but he's a real entity and influences the lives that we have. And then on the flip side, when you take a look at the reverse of it, they say that 49% are not really sure God exists. So you're dealing with a bunch of people that a majority believe Satan exists, but we're starting to start to see less and less people believe God exists. And of those people that do believe God exists, less and less people are starting to realize or starting to believe that, you know, maybe God isn't this whole all-powerful being that he once was or once was being preached about. And the consequence of that leads us to hell, which is real. And I don't think people talk about it too much or maybe not enough. And not one of those things that we have to dwell on to fear people into or to scare people into believing. But it's something that is a real real thing. And as 56% of Americans are starting to believe that Satan is a real being that influences our lives, the consequences of us believing that and then following those influences is very severe and very real. Yes, uh, that, that, that's very, uh, some very good insights and uh, some interesting statistics on about where, you know, Americans are at today. And, you know, it's really kind of puzzling um, on one hand, because you know, we just came through Easter, and at least you and I were talking about it, and many Christians do, we were talking about the evidence-based faith that is ours in Christianity, and, you know, we touched upon the fact that an atheist uh, bases his view on a blind faith, that something came from nothing, and so there's no evidence for that, um, and yet there's plenty of evidence for the resurrection as we talked about that. It's interesting, I just submitted an article yesterday to uh, the Christian post uh, that I wrote this week uh, entitled Seven Symptoms When Satan Blinds Your Mind. And so you and I hadn't even talked about that. I know today we're, we're focusing on the topic of hell. But um, as you mentioned there, Son, uh, you know, this idea that Satan is a real being, you know, many people do seem to grasp that. Um, maybe slightly fewer today, maybe you're grasping that God is real. And, and the Bible tells us that the God of this age, a small g, meaning Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So from that standpoint, maybe it shouldn't surprise us that you've got more people who are willing to, um, to just commit their life to a blind faith, uh, such as atheism, uh, or, or to just kind of a generic, vague kind of understanding of maybe there's a God out there, and I guess there's probably a devil, and you know, it's good and evil, and they're kind of battling, and I hope... You know, at the end of the day, I'm okay with God, and he's okay with me. And But no real understanding, Son, of, well, what does God have to say about um, his, his nature, um, his purpose for man, um, his eternal place of, of blissful, just beauty and perfection in paradise, and the eternal place that was prepared, uh, as Jesus said, uh, for the devil and his angels. Um, that eternal place of hell. So, yes, this is a, a topic, Son, that we we don't hear visited often enough today, uh, I don't think, in the church. And, and that in itself should really surprise us because eternity is forever. 
And our life is so short in comparison to that. So I'm really looking forward to our visit today, Son, and, and I'm glad you're tackling this, um, this critical topic that Jesus spoke all the time about, and that are these issues of, of heaven and particularly also hell. Yeah, I believe it's been mentioned many places that Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else, and it was yes. a constant theme in his uh, conversations with people and even in his preaching, and it wasn't necessarily from the point of view of judgment and condemnation. It was more of, first of all, I think it was more along the lines of trying to demonstrate just exactly what his sacrifice was saving us from. And then two, I think also allowing us to try to understand or realize what the alternative is. I mean, if you have, um, if you're in a position of authority over somebody, whether it be a teacher, whether it be, okay, let's say police, for example, we have a lot of people kind of starting to protest these lock-in stay-at-home orders. So people are going out there. And so the authority, the police come and we look at the police and we, we comply with the police because the alternative could be arrest. It could be jail. It could be a number of things, fines. If our crime is uh, egregious enough, it could be a long-term sentence. So we know what the punishment is for the sins that, or I mean, for the crimes that we commit. And so hell, basically, Jesus is painting the picture of the consequences of the sins that we commit that we don't get pardoned for. And I think that's kind of the more realistic perspective of looking at hell is that God isn't using it as a place to, to condemn you, but right now, but to look at a place yeah. like, hey, look at what the alternative is, and if you don't accept me, and you don't want to come into yeah. the fold, be one of my sheep, and let me lead you, then the alternative is this, which is hell, just like prison would be if we commit a crime. Yeah. You, you know, Son, um, absolutely right, and, you know, it just is, is a marvel when you stop and look at the vast majority of people whose lives have been um, really um, changed by their own decisions concerning the coronavirus as far as um, avoiding others, uh, uh, trying to be safe, uh, doing all of these things that we are warned about, and rightly so. And, and, and so when people think about heaven and hell and about Jesus' warnings, uh, for example, like when Jesus said in Matthew ten twenty eight, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Um, I've always thought it was kind of interesting when, when you'll hear people say, well, you know, you're, you're just trying to scare me into heaven or whatever. Well, I mean, what was Jesus doing there? He was trying to warn people. Uh, you know, I think human beings get this idea that, well, you know, it, it can't be true if, if, if the warning is about something so terrible that it doesn't make sense to me. Well, son... Heaven and hell don't make sense to us on many levels, but the Bible explains that both places are real, and we accept them by faith. And as you said, it's sin that sends a person to hell. Uh, You know, in James it says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So hell is there for lawbreakers. Hell is there for the person whose sins are not forgiven. Um... And, and, you know, the message of the gospel is that we all have sinned and become lawbreakers, but Jesus died for all of us on the cross, and, and that anyone can come to the Lord and be saved. So it's a very hopeful message um, in Christ alone, but apart from Christ, it is a message that should cause a person to shudder if it doesn't, because it is literal. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. The joy in heaven will be beyond anything we have ever known. And the pain in hell will, will be beyond anything most people have ever known, although some people maybe have ex- certainly experienced their taste of hell uh, on earth. But I'll, I'll share one other thing Jesus said there in Matthew 13, Son. He said, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this was our Lord, Son, speaking here. This was the Savior who took little children and held them and, and, and cared for men and women and families and, and, and who gave his life on the cross and, and, and who did not resist when he was arrested and, and who did not just come down off the cross, which he could have, but he, he stayed there to pay for our sins. This same Jesus describes a place 
of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so no matter how far out that may seem to you or I, Son, or to anyone listening to this, what a person really needs to decide is this. Was Jesus telling the truth? Was Jesus, you know, out of his mind? Um, and do I really want to take the chance? Do, do I really want to, you know, uh, play Russian roulette with my soul and, and gamble my soul on my opinion? that Jesus couldn't have been right because that place is too terrible. And, and I would just caution anybody who's thinking about gambling their soul song, um, then um, why don't you also consider whether Jesus went through the kind of pain he went through on the cross, because that's really even a tougher pill to swallow than, than man paying for his own sin. I mean, there's a lot in the Bible song that's above our pay grade and that we only will accept by faith but it is beyond risky for a person to gamble their soul on the hope that hell is not real when Jesus made it very clear that hell is as real as heaven and both places are as real as earth. The only difference is those places people exist in forever, not just for 60, 70, or 80 years. And so the stakes are raised way higher when we're talking about eternity. Yeah, you mentioned eternity, and and um, I was thinking about eternity for some reason the other day, and it's one of those things where it kind of became a surreal thought. You mentioned things that we can't understand on earth because in our human form, our minds just can't comprehend the complexities of forever, the universe, and God. You know, the Bible even talks yeah. about the mysteries that we just don't understand, and I think yeah. eternity is a concept that we just don't understand from our human mm-hmm. perspective, because we look at everything as time. I mean, I was talking to somebody just the other day, and they asked me, what's mm-hmm. one of the benefits that I've enjoyed during this lockdown? And I said, basically, the clock has been removed from my life. I'm not run oh, yeah. by a clock. You know, we, we meet yeah. regularly at a certain time. Um, I try to go to bed. Well, my, my sleeping schedule is all whacked. But I try to at right. least get up by a certain time so I don't sleep my day away. But outside of that, my, my, my time, my clock living by the clock has basically disappeared. And that's kind of like, got me thinking about this eternity. That's kind of like what eternity is like. We're going to be forever. And I don't know where the clock comes in because again, it's probably something in the supernatural world that we don't know, but it's, Mm -hmm. it was kind of like that. And it got me thinking, man, this eternity concept is really something that we don't grasp because we live by the clock. We live by an 80 ish year calendar hoping that we right. make it to be our 70s or 80s and then that's about it we don't think about the next three four five six thousand 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 years and what's going to happen no. and so we try that's to right. make the most of these 80 years on earth and grab mm-hmm. as much as we can with the mindset as the more we've done the better off we're going to be in the next life you know son um that is the way we look at it isn't it and and it's interesting that you uh, uh kind of hone in honed in on uh, you know the number 80 because uh, I hadn't mentioned this to you, but, uh, you know, of all the days to bring that up, today is actually my mother's 80th birthday. And, uh-huh. and so, um, so that's quite a milestone. Uh, she is a twin. So her and her twin brother today uh, are celebrating 80 years. But like you say, son, um, this, is, this is so short. I mean, the Bible says your life is a mist, you know, you know, that appears for a while and then vanishes. And, and so um, it is difficult to wrap our mind around eternity. You know, uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what he has done from beginning to end. And so there's something in the sun that, that, that longs for uh, eternal perfection. Um, I think one of, the, one of the ways that that reveals itself is that as we get older, son, many times a person will say, well, you know, I still feel on the inside as young as I did when I was 20 or whatever. And what I like to tell people is that's because your soul is an aging. Uh, your soul is immortal. Uh, your body's wearing down. Uh, your body's wearing out. Your body's getting older. It's showing the signs of wear and tear and age. But, but you cannot say that anything immortal is aging. You know, angels are not aging. Uh, human beings in the, with their soul are not aging. Um, when people enter heaven and hell, they'll be given a body that will be just as eternal as their soul. In heaven, that will add to the joy, to the pleasure, 
to all of the senses that we will enjoy in heaven, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the taste, um, everything with our senses. You know, it's been said that heaven will be an explosion of the senses. I believe I actually heard Don Piper use that. He wrote 90 Minutes in Heaven, and uh, he's a Baptist minister who uh, had a car accident and had a a near-death experience, and I won't go into all that. He wrote uh, 60 Minutes in Heaven, I guess, or 90 Minutes, yeah, in Heaven. But, um, but he said it was just an explosion of the senses. Now, now, you know, I'm not going to say that I believe in heaven because of his experience. That's not why I believe in heaven. I believe in heaven because of what Jesus said about it and what Jesus said about hell. And, um, you know, there are actually some myths about hell, Son, that I would love to have us uh, discuss today that I put into an article one time. And um, I, think, uh, I think we'll find these myths interesting because there's a lot of uh, misgivings and misunderstandings about both heaven and hell. Yeah, let's, and that brings me to this. Uh, I found a clip from Billy Graham. Now, he talks about hell being fire and darkness, but, but the one thing that I have found in this one clip that I'd like to play is yes. it's, it's, a, it's a misconception or like maybe even leading to the myth conversation of what hell is like. Mm-hmm. You listen to celebrities, you listen to people, and they talk about what their plans are for when they get to hell. They're like, you know, when I get to hell, I'm going to party with my people. And so here's, right. here's what uh, Billy Graham, uh, a comment he made. And, and if you listen towards the tail end of his comments, um, I think it kind of uh, summarizes what some people actually think hell is going to be like. Here's uh, Billy Graham. Okay. And then secondly, the word darkness. The Bible says God is light. And Matthew eight twelve says, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. Hell is called outer darkness. It's separation from God in darkness. That's the reason those that go to hell will not see anybody else. It'll be too dark. You're not going to go down there and set up a nightclub and have a big time and have beautiful golf courses and all the rest of it, as some people think. No. It's separation from God. I think the two key things there, one, it's separation from God. And then two, which people don't realize, I don't think they really fully comprehend that. But then two, people actually do think they're going to go set up a nightclub or they're going to have some cool things. They're going to go golfing. It's just going to be another place. And and that is sorely missing the point of what hell is all about. Boy, it it sure is, Son. You know, you'll, you'll hear people say that, that, well, maybe the beer will be warm, but at least I'll be with my friends and, you know, maybe it won't be perfect, but I sure don't, don't want to be in heaven, you know, with all those holy rollers, you know. And, um, and and so, yeah, Billy Graham hits upon there just some of the myths that people have in their mind. You know, um, I uh, I wrote down some others here uh, one time. You know, what, one of the myths uh, that people have about hell, son, is that I can earn my way to heaven. Uh, well, we know that's not true. It's a gift. You can only receive it uh, through faith in Jesus. Another myth, if I don't think about the afterlife, it won't ever reach me. Well, you know, try saying that with the coronavirus. I mean, it, it's reached all of us. Um, a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. Uh, well, would a loving father send his only son to the cross? Uh, there was a reason that he did. Well, would a loving God send fallen angels to pay for their sins in hell? Uh, he certainly is, is doing that uh, forever. And would a loving God send people to hell? Well, Jesus answered that question. And it doesn't diminish the love of God. In, in fact, Simon, what people don't stop and think about is, if God was not just as perfect in justice and holiness as he is in love, okay, then you would have an imperfect God. And once evil began to slip in there into his, his behavior, he would, he would end up the, with, with the way Satan ended up. You know, uh, Satan's heart became proud on account of his beauty. Satan was created as a good angel, a holy angel. But Satan, unlike God, uh, Satan sinned, and Satan is a created being. God is the eternal creator, no beginning and no end. So a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. Well, then a person's not reading uh, the Bible and understanding that love and justice are both aspects of God's nature. Um, another myth, almost everyone goes to heaven anyway. Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pause with that myth for now there, son, and just share this verse and what Jesus said about that. In Matthew 7, he said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So the myth that almost everyone goes to heaven anyway, I, I wish almost everyone were going to heaven, 
you know, a forever son. But Jesus, Jesus told us that there are many on that wide road. And so, um, you know, uh, the, the, the mission is, is huge. Many people who've been blinded by Satan, the Bible says, their minds are blind. They don't know where they're headed. You know, it, it's almost like son, they're, they're traveling down the highway without, uh, without their, their headlights on. And it's dark outside and they're going 80 miles an hour and, and they're, uh, they don't realize they're just a mile in front of them. Um, they're going to come crashing into, you know, some, some object or go off some cliff. They don't know they're in darkness. You know, they're, they're partying in the car. They're, they're drinking all the while, uh, as they race along. And because they're blind signs, not that they're not intelligent, many of them, many of them are highly intelligent as far as their IQ, this or that. But you can be highly intelligent and, and still be clueless when it comes to your uh, eternal, the eternal path that you are on right now. Dan Dozell with me is an author for the Christian Post, a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And I just want to touch on something real quick, because I know it's a conversation probably that could go really in-depth and maybe used for another time. But uh, you yeah. mentioned uh, a little bit ago about the myth, how people, people truly believe that God sends people to hell. And even though there is some truth to that, he does. It's, it's a judgment, you know. It's just like a judge sending somebody to prison. But the judge yeah. isn't sending somebody for lack of reason or for lack of cause. Yeah. And God sending somebody to hell isn't him just arbitrarily picking and choosing people who he's going to toss to uh, toss into hell, although that's probably another theological debate that the church has um, with sure. predestination. But, but it's really us rejecting God that then gets us our invitation to hell. If we reject God and we, you know, refuse to have him involved in our life and refuse to accept him and we decide to reject God and tell him to get out, then God's choice is nothing but to send us to hell. And so when people think, how can God send people to hell? Well, he's really not from the standpoint that you're probably thinking about. He's not just condemning you based on because he just wants to. It's because of something that we've done. And that's what we've done is we've rejected him. And the consequence of that is then us getting sent to hell and God sending us there. So I, I just wanted to touch on that because I yeah. think a lot of people get confused yeah. with the standpoint that, oh, God is, you know, if he's all loving, why does he send people to hell? Well, he doesn't just arbitrarily send people to hell. There's re there's a reason, and that reason is something yeah. that we did, and what we did was yeah. reject him, and that's the consequence of rejecting him is we get sent to hell. Well, and, and to support what you just said, Son, you know, uh, the Scripture is very clear on this. I mean, Jesus was talking uh, one day to uh, some of the uh, religious leaders, and he said, hey, you know, I'm not going to be the one to accuse you before the Father. Uh, he said, your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. Um, their hope was in the Ten Commandments, Son. Um, millions, if not billions of people in the world today are, are hoping that their obedience to the Ten Commandments or whatever moral code they live by um, will be strong enough and make a strong enough case for them to enter heaven. What people don't understand is, is that... Um, it, it, the verse I quoted earlier from James 2.10, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Um, if we could be made righteous in God's eyes and, and, and made recipients of heaven by our deeds, then there would have been no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. As, as Paul wrote, if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So here's the deal, son, and it goes right to the point you were making. Um, at the end of the day, um, you know, we all must appear before the judgment seat of God, the Bible says. So picture this courtroom, and everybody's going into the courtroom. And on one hand, we're all the same in the sense, son, that we are all lawbreakers, okay? We all deserve to go to hell. Um, the, the difference is that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, and the Bible makes it clear that in order to have Christ's blood cover your sin, you need to repent and believe the good news. That's the only way to go into that courtroom, and, and, and then Jesus there uh, is, is there for you, uh, and, and you are welcomed into heaven. So think about it this way, Son. Um, you know, if a person goes before a judge today, and, and let's say that this person has committed, you know, virtually every major crime you could think of, and there's more than enough evidence, you know, 
this person has been um, convicted. In fact, they've had a trial. And let's just say that there were 30 major offenses, everything from, you know, murder to rape to everything. I mean, multiple murders, multiple rapes, multiple this, multiple that. And so now the jury finds this uh, individual guilty. And, and now uh, it comes sentencing day. Well, what is, what's that judge going to do? Well, if that judge is, is at all uh, righteous, I'm talking now about an earthly judge, um, then, then certainly there's going to have to be some sort of equitable sentence, most likely, you know, life without parole, maybe the death penalty. But it would be hard to fathom a person like that getting anything less than life, a, a life sentence, okay? So that's an earthly judge. So now, we're, now, now let's go to God's courtroom where God is perfect in justice and where one sin qualifies you, according to God, and he, he's the one that knows, it qualifies you for being sent to hell. Uh, hell is a prison, okay? People on earth get sent to prison. People in eternity get sent to prison. Um, you know, prisons in America, uh, some may be better than others, but none of them are as bad as hell. Hell is so far worse. Um, I don't hear of really any prisons in America where people are spending their whole day weeping uh, and, and, and gnashing their teeth. I mean, there may be some, I mean, I'm sure there's some of that that goes on, maybe uh, in, for some more than others, but I don't hear of any earthly prison where that's going on 24-7. The picture in the Bible is that, you know, it's constant. That the, the prison of hell is forever. And, and that the reason people go there, just as you said, it's not that God is sending them there just, you know, uh, for no reason. It's that they, they, in essence, sent themselves there by disobeying God, by rejecting his law, and by not having their sin uh, forgiven. So, um, you know, these are the most important matters a person could ever consider, Son. And, and my goodness, I mean, uh, you know, you think about all the people in hell today who, if they could only come back, if they could only do it over again. But, you know, it's appointed that a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. And that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And, and once you take your final breath, your eternal, uh, your eternal home is now set. Whether it's heaven or hell, that's where you'll spend eternity. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about, and, and we've been talking about other things in the past too, but an underlining theme with this COVID that we've been discussing is taking time now to kind of reflect on our lives because a lot of us have just extra time on our hands and we're binge watching mm-hmm. shows about crazy tiger owners and, and we're doing other things, watching movies and this and that. But one of the things that we might not be doing is a lot of self-reflection. I know we mentioned it before, but you know, the, the pillow guy, you know, he went up in front of a white house uh, conference and told people that maybe now is the time to start reading the Bible again, start thinking about you know our spiritual life. So maybe now is the time to to reflect on some things. And we talk about hell being a separation from God. I, I would imagine that there's a sense of people because I see it on social media where they start putting out these memes and these other things about when the world opens again and we're going to socialize. You see a bunch of like you know chickens running crazy because we're getting busted yeah. loose out of the house, and 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 people yeah. putting you know I can't wait to ha- to see all the images of reuniting people, you know the reunification of people, hugs and yeah. and seeing friends we haven't seen in forever. Basically, the point is we're in a point right now of isolation from other people, and we're not seeing people, and we're not having our social life like we used to have. We're having a separation from those people. So if we're self-reflecting, it might almost be a learning experience to realize that, hey, if you're feeling any little bit of separation, anxiety from your friends, your family, loved ones, maybe you haven't seen your parents because they're older, you know, like you mentioned, you know, your mom's birthday, 80, happy birthday, you know, maybe you don't see her because she's in that high risk area. So, so again, we have the separation anxiety. So now imagine that for eternity, and there's no internet, there's no alcohol, there's no going to the right. grocery store, there's none of these, you know, kind right. of comfort things that we do. Everyone's there's no t- light. There's no I light. Mean, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and so, you know, if we're going to reflect on some things, that might be maybe the reflection of this conversation is to reflect on that separation. If you're feeling that separation, can you try mm-hmm. to imagine doing that for all eternity in the yeah. worst of places? I mean, crank up the heat yeah. on a hot day, sit in your yeah. room, turn the lights yeah. off, and just be as miserable as possible. And even then, you're not going to really fully understand the concept of hell. But that's what it's kind of like. You know, it's like we, we got to take a moment to think about what it is that 
the eternity is going to be. And I know some people say, yeah. well, I'm going to wait until yeah. the end and I'll buy my fire insurance, mm-hmm. uh, fire insurance on my deathbed. That's that's a fallacy in itself because we don't know when our deathbed is going to be, and we might not have a deathbed. We might be taken instantaneously, or better yeah. yet, for those that do believe, Christ might come back at any moment, and we need to be prepared right. for that moment. Well, that that's it, son. And uh, you know, it's like the person who's going down the highway, eighty miles an hour, pitch black. They know there's a brick wall somewhere in the future, and they say, "Well, you know, I'll stop the car right before I hit it." You know. Oh, really? Even though you're still going 80, um, you don't have your headlights on, you have no idea when it's going to hit, oh, no, but I'll just wait. I'll just wait. That's the self-deception sign that the devil wants a person to have because the devil doesn't want people to come to grips with this reality until it's too late. And, and, and you know, one of the other myths about hell is that heaven and hell are not real places. Uh, well, they are real. Jesus made that very clear. You know, another myth is that my sin isn't bad enough for me to deserve going to hell. Well, we've already addressed that from Scripture. You know, all religions lead to God in heaven. Um, well, Jesus said that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So all religions don't lead to God. Um, and then another myth is that the only heaven and hell are the pleasant things and the horrible things people experience here right now. Well, that's wishful thinking. I mean, um, you know, that's not dealing with the reality uh, that, that we have in, in Scripture. Um, you know, and this goes to the example you were just making, Son. I mean, the coronavirus has caused unpleasant uh, experiences for people. But what if a person would use that and stop and say, could it get worse? Could it get far worse? Um, what, what, would, what would it be like if Jesus was correct in what he was saying and the Bible is correct? And, and so wouldn't it be something, Son, if, if thousands and thousands of people, were to come to know Christ during the coronavirus uh, pandemic and lockdown as they think, man, this is no fun. Uh, may- maybe I need to slow my life down enough, uh, you know, just to, to realize that, um, that this is too serious to just kind of blow off. You know, the last myth I'll share about hell, it kind of just summarizes it all. You know, spending eternity in hell is a myth. Well, you know, again, uh, somebody can roll the dice, but, but what you and I know, son, is this. At least when you roll the dice, you have a chance of winning, okay? When you play Russian roulette with a gun and bullets, at least you have a chance that you're not going to be taking your own life. When it comes to heaven and hell, um, really, talking about rolling the dice, it doesn't apply because you don't have a chance. There is no chance that you will make it into heaven without Jesus. There is no chance that you won't go to hell if you reject Christ and refuse his free gift. Why do I say that, son? Because our Lord said that. Because God has revealed it to us in Scripture. Um, so there is no chance of a person uh, escaping hell apart from Jesus Christ. And so this is so urgent, more urgent than, than a person getting a medicine for the coronavirus, if they had that. And, and if a medicine was available that was going to cure it, who wouldn't want that? And so why, why doesn't everybody, son, run to Jesus today and say, heal my soul? Lord Jesus, wash away my sins. Lord, prepare me for heaven today. I'm on the road to hell. Well, I'll tell you why, son, because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. And it's where you began with our discussion today. And people, they they kind of sense that Satan's real. Well, what, what, what the Bible says is this. Not only is he real, but there'll be symptoms if he's blinded you. And, and one of those symptoms will be that you just are clueless as to your need for the Savior. You're clueless to the fact that you're on the road to hell, even though God doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to go there. Christ died for you to go to heaven. In fact, the Bible says, um, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So, my friend, I hope you'll put your name in that today. If you're listening to this podcast, um, there's a reason why. And, and God loves you. Christ died for you. He doesn't want you in, in hell. And I'll tell you what, you're going to remember this podcast, whichever way you go, whichever way you go, not just in the next, you know, say six to eight hours after hearing this, but, but at the end of your life on earth, whichever way you go, you're going to look back on this podcast, I believe, uh, with all of my heart, and you'll remember it. 
And, and, and why do I say that? Um, as a warning? Well, yes, if you don't know Christ, yes, as a warning. Um, it's just like I would want you to be warned if you were in danger of getting the coronavirus. Only this is a million times more important because this has to do with your eternal soul and your eternal place of residence because you're going to be existing. Make no mistake about it. And, and even those who tragically commit suicide, son, it doesn't change the fact. I mean, however a person leaves this world, um, it doesn't change the fact that we all exist. Uh, every one of us will exist in one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. There is no third option. And no, I know, my friend, you may not have signed up for that when God created your soul, but you're in it. Okay, you're in it. And, and right now, it's critical that you heed these words and that you um, accept Jesus' love for you and his sacrifice for you because this is what God wants for you and, and why God has prepared paradise uh, for all of his children, all who believe in him, all who follow him, all who trust him as Savior and receive the free gift of eternal life. Dan Delzell with me, author at the Christian Post and a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And Dan, one of the, uh, you know, we're talking about myths too, is, is um, you know, people think that there might be a way to earn their way. You know, we'd like to earn things. And so maybe we can earn mm-hmm. a way out of hell. But uh, Greg Laurie talks about it, um, that there's no crossing over. Once we've made that decision to reject God and once we are, yeah. you know, judged and sent to hell, there's no crossing over. So let me just play this for you and then maybe get a little bit of a reaction sure. on, on what Greg Laurie had to sure. say here. People in hell suffer. People in hell are fully conscious and they are in pain. Once you are in hell, you cannot cross over to heaven. Once you are in eternity, there's no changing things. Now, there's changing those things now. There are no chances after death, but thousands before. But once you've passed over, it's too late. When you're in hell, you're conscious and fully aware of where you are. You're also aware of where you were. In heaven, you will still be you. You will still know what you knew on earth, but far more. You'll be aware of where you came from, and you'll be aware of where you are. In the same way in hell, you'll be aware of where you came from and where you are. And that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, when he says that at the end, you're going to be aware of where you're at and where you are. And there's no crossing over. There's no getting back. And we see these images, you know, about hell being utterly miserable. People are going to be afflicted. We're going to be yeah. devoid of hope. And I think we don't even understand what that concept is. We don't understand what, cause we, we live with hope. I mean, that's, that's the thing yeah. that keeps us going, whether we're a sports fan and we want that last second, you know, game winning shot or game winning hit or game winning touchdown yeah. pass. You know, we have hope yeah. if we are, uh, you know, sick, we have hope that we're going to get, get better. So we always have hope. So I don't think we understand what devoid of hope is. And then also no. separation from God. And, and that's yeah. where, you know, the, the true, because we are created in God's image. We are created to really live for him. But yet that separation from him, I think is just, there's just some things that we just don't really fully comprehend. And like you mentioned, why do you want to take a chance and roll the dice yeah. on something yeah. that there's no chance of even winning? Like you said, rolling dice, exactly. there's a chance. There's yes. no chance with this, yes. so why even risk it? Well, exactly, Son. And, you know, Greg Laurie's powerful words there, it kind of reminds me, you know, there's that statement of how there are no atheists in foxholes. Because, you know, I mean, t- I tell you, I mean, somebody may go off to war and, and, and be rejecting God, but once you get in that foxhole and get those bullets flying over your head, you know, it's amazing how many people start offering up prayers to that God who before they, they uh, denied existed. But, you know, the same is true in hell. I, th- I wrote an article one time on how there are no atheists in hell. Uh, because you see, um, everyone in hell, as Greg Laurie pointed out, understands why they're there. Just as we, son, will understand far more in heaven than we do now. You know, now we know in part, then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. Likewise, people in hell will know a lot more than they know now. And they'll know that Jesus is the Messiah and the Savior that they rejected. They'll, they'll know that their sin is, is what sent them to hell. They'll know that they're lawbreakers. They'll know that they'll, they're never going to get out of hell. It's like the Christian I read about one time who had a dream. And the Lord allowed this Christian to have this dream of, of actually going to hell and, and having that feeling of hopelessness. And that feeling that I'm never going to get out of here. Uh, and, and so just for the purpose of that dream, that Christian did not have any uh, recollection during that dream of their relationship with the Lord. And then they woke up and it just gave them a much deeper 
awareness of what that hopelessness is going to feel like in hell when you know you can't leave, you know there's no hope. Um, you, you know, this is why, you know, when we think about like, well, what Jesus talked about with the rich man and Lazarus in, in, um, in Luke 16, you know, if we have time today here, uh, I'd love to maybe see us spend a little time on, on what Jesus said there. Cause you know, some people call that a parable, but, um, actually son, you know, if it is a parable, it would be the only parable where proper names were ever used. So, you know, many, many Bible scholars believe that, no, that's talking about, um, something that is very specific with, with, you know, uh, specific individuals there uh in heaven and in hell and uh and so there's some insights there in that uh, luke, luke 16 story of the rich man and lazarus yeah and as we lead into that you know anybody that's gone to church and even sunday school knows the story of uh the burning furnace you know yeah and and um shadrach meshach and abednego they get thrown yeah. into the fire because they did not bow yeah. down and worship the king the earthly king yeah yeah. Now that's that's how I, I personally I always pictured hell was like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were actually living in fire. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. Obviously, I have no idea. But that's just always mm-hmm. been my image is that because we hear about yeah. fire, we hear about the uh, um, the the weeping and gnashing of teeth and the and the lake of yeah. fire and you know, all this yeah. fiery imagery. Yeah. And so I always yeah. pictured that. And but instead of that fourth person, that angel coming and comforting us, there's going to be no comforting. There's just going to be no. continual no. heat fire burning whatever and and we're yeah, not gonna yeah. we're just gonna be living in this fiery pit forever and so i was thought of shadrach meshach and abednego but then you know it's also you think of fire you talk about heat you know mm-hmm. um i think there's a part in the bible where someone t- and this uh, i think there's you know there's different terms too for for the bi- for hell like there's been shoal and there's hades and different things but yeah. the basic concept yeah. of hell and there was one part um where, you know, someone was saying, hey, can someone come down and just put a drop of liquid on my tongue to quench this, you know, yeah. fiery thirst that I have? And yeah. and so there's this fiery image. And so um, it's going to be a place that is not going to be good. And as you mentioned, you know, with Lazarus and, and, and Jesus spoke in yeah. parables, but now he takes yeah. the parable kind of out of the mm-hmm. equation and kind of relates it to kind of real life people when he yeah. talks about what you now are going to share with us. Yes, son, and and I'm glad you mentioned that about um, a couple of those Greek words for hell, because we'll actually see that brought out here in uh, in Luke 16, and I and I'll touch on those. But uh, in Luke 16, beginning with verse 19, uh, Jesus said there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angel carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell. Now the Greek word there is Hades, uh, but in hell or Hades where he was in the rich man, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, now get this, son, he's going to all of a sudden become an evangelist. Get this. He answered, then I beg you, father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Now think about that. Here's a guy that never cared about his own soul, um, and now he's worried about his brothers coming to this place where he's at. Uh, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So this, this, this pitiful, this pitiful description of what that rich man in Hades um, was experiencing nearly 2,000 years ago. He's continuing to experience that song today, not because he was rich, but because he rejected Jesus and he loved his riches. Um, you know, Jesus said, you cannot love both God and money. You know, either you hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this rich man obviously loved his money. He didn't love the Lord. Um, he went to hell, or in this case, Hades. So what's the difference? Well, 
Gehenna is another Greek word in the Bible for hell, and Gehenna was the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem where the fire never went out. So, for example, um, when, when we read in Revelation uh, about certain things and people being thrown into the lake of fire, now that's Gehenna, it's the eternal fire. So what is Hades? Well, um, I've described it this way, Son. Hades is like the county jail of hell. It's every bit as bad, in, I'm sure, as Gehenna, okay? But it, it, it's going on right now prior to Judgment Day because we're still in this time period where Judgment Day hasn't happened yet. So the crimes have been committed. Um, the individuals who died without Christ, they've been arrested and thrown into the county jail waiting for their day in court. The day in court will happen on Judgment Day. There is no hope for any of them uh, to be uh, to be given any mercy on that day because they rejected it in this life. And and so um, the only thing that remains uh, will be them being sentenced now uh, to hell. So that will be quite a sight that, that people who have been in Hades, okay, um, are going to have a, a very short little reprieve. Uh, you know, you're going to get to go to the courtroom, it, it would seem. I mean, if this all plays out the way it looks like it's going to, uh, I mean, if, if, if the timing on that is, is everything that it sure seems to be, then, then those dead who are currently in hell, I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to have to appear in the courtroom. Uh, now, you know, unless the Lord has, has some time, you know, plan different son where maybe they've already had their time in, in the courtroom, maybe after they've died, maybe they've already gone before the judge. I mean, I, I'm not God. I can't say how that plays out. I just know this, um, this rich man is in, La uh, this, uh, rich man was in Hades. Um, and Hades is like uh, the, the county jail, Gehenna is the eternal fire. And, and even if some of those things that I just said are, are even if they play out slightly different than what, what I'm perceiving, because you know, we're all limited. I mean, what do we know about heaven and hell? What do we know about Hades and Gehenna? Um, but I, I will say this, um, there's no question that that rich man will be suffering forever, not because God wanted him to suffer, but because he yielded himself over to his love and lust for money, his greed, um, whereas Lazarus, Father Abraham, you know, these are real people, son. That's why I don't believe this is a parable. Um, these real people are being described, uh, Moses, you know, uh, and so forth in the Bible. Whenever we have uh, individuals like that talked about, you know, just like we have Abraham and Lazarus here, I mean, we know we're dealing with particular individuals. So, so anyway, um, a lot that we can learn from Luke 16 and it's just interesting, one of the many interesting things to me is that all of a sudden he gets concerned for the spiritual well-being of his brothers, but only after he went to hell. And, and how tragic it is for him and everyone that's in that situation today, son. If only they could come back. They think, if only I could go tell them. Well, you know, they had God's word presented to them. And maybe you, my friend, maybe somebody listening to this right now, maybe you're at that point of decision right now where the Lord's going to allow you um, to escape, you know, uh, to escape that, that, that fiery judgment by bringing your, your sin to Jesus. This is what God desires for you and, and for all people. And so today um, you, can, you can call upon the Lord. Uh, you know, the, the key today will be this. You, you, you need to get a plea deal. Um, a plea deal would not be offered to anybody who, in Hades. But today, my friend, God offers you a plea deal. And that plea deal is what Jesus did on the cross for you. And, and if you'll accept that plea deal today, then God will not hold your sins against you. You'll be justified. It, it, it's a really, um, uh, really more of a legal uh, declaration that you're declared not guilty uh, on account of Jesus. So you can either take the plea deal. Uh, it's the best deal you're going to get by far. Or you can roll the dice, go into the courtroom, state your case, and then be given your sentence. Those are the only two options because, again, we're all lawbreakers. Dan Delzell with me, author of the Christian Post and a pastor at a church in Papilla, Nebraska. And Dan, there's been many times I've spent uh, New Year's Day out on the Rose Parade, Colorado Boulevard, uh, Colorado Boulevard in Pasadena, California for the Tournament of Roses Parade. And, and as we're out there, um, there's people that walk up and down the street. And I know there are other places, but for some reason, the Rose Parade seems to come to mind. And you got these religious people, and some of them will call them nuts, and some of them will call them lunatics. And, and they're out there, they're spouting over the uh, PA announcer, things like, hell's hot, yeah. don't go turn or burn yeah. and obviously yeah. they get mocked and and i i find it yeah. amusing you know maybe it's not the yeah. venue but mm -hmm. for some reason the message 
the simple message of hell's hot, don't go just kept resonating. Yeah. And I heard that years ago and it's true. Oh, yeah. Now the, the, the point yeah. of not going to hell is don't go because it's hot, but it's going to be hot. And the reason not to go is because you'd rather accept Christ and live and follow him yeah. as opposed to yeah. rejecting him and then going where it's hot. But, but yeah. the simple message is that hell's hot. Don't go. Why go to a place when you look, when you compare the two and we've been talking mm-hmm. about hell, you know, Easter was a couple weeks ago and we were talking about Jesus dying on the cross, uh, raising from the dead, conquering death and giving us, mm-hmm. giving us these gifts and the gift is basically eternal life in paradise. And paradise, yeah. you know, it talks about the streets paved with gold in the Bible. And, and it's basically whatever you think the best thing ever is, 10 million times yeah. more is what heaven's going to be like probably. And so, yeah. and then you compare that to hell. We've talked about being, you know, an, an unquenchable fire, uh, dark, uh, tormented, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know, all these negative bad things. And it's for eternity, and there's no getting out of it. And when people yeah. sit at that crossroads, so to speak, it's like, what road are you going to take? Do you want to take the one that's going to lead you to this everlasting torment and torture? Or do you want to take right. one that's going to lead to this everlasting paradise where, you know, we talked about Billy Graham just a little bit ago, hell doesn't have yeah. nightclubs and golf courses. I don't know if heaven's going to have golf courses, but, you know, something good is going to be up there. Why would we not? Oh, yeah. Why would we not want to choose eternity there? Yes. and kind yes. of deny ourselves here on earth for the eighty years we're going to be here, as opposed right. to you know living for ourselves for about eighty years and then suffering all mm-hmm. eternity in some place where we're going to be tormented for the rest of eternity. Well, it, 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 exactly, son, and and it really points out how irrational sin is, and how irrational sin causes. Uh, us as human beings to be, and it's only through the revelation of the of the Holy Spirit and in, in, in the gospel that we come to see these things that you were just describing, Son, and that we come to place our faith in in Scripture being literal truth. You know, not not some myth, not some you know uh, somebody's opinion. These are real places, and and so uh, as, as a person um, thinks about that, I like to also encourage people, Son, to realize, okay, so maybe somebody listening right now says, well, you know. I really, I can't imagine ever loving God because that's just not, okay, well then how about this, my friend? Um, Try taking a step of faith and believing that God can do anything, including creating in you a new heart. So, So hypothetically, now walk with me. What if God were to give you a love for him? Okay, think about that. Okay, so I don't have that. No, no, okay. What if God were to give you that? What if God were to give you a desire to go to heaven, okay? What if you just were to step out in faith and say, you know what? Um, yep, it seems like this is true. Uh, my heart's not where it needs to be. Maybe if I confess my sins to God, receive Jesus as my Savior, and, and, and the Bible then, I guess what you're saying is the Holy Spirit will come live in my heart. I'll be a new creation. I'll start to have new desires. Uh, you know, maybe then, okay? Oh, that, that's exactly it, my friend. It's going to take a step of faith, okay? So, you know, God's not saying go to heaven in the state you're in now, because you may not want to go there. You may not want to believe this. Okay. But what God is saying is this, I will change your heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will give you holy desires. I will give you the ability to love me. I will forgive your sin. I will bring you to heaven. Okay. So it's all about, will you trust God and take him at his word? And that is why son, I think it's interesting uh, here in this uh, story in Luke 16 where, um, you know, the rich man is told that, you know, even if somebody rose from the dead, um, you know, they wouldn't listen because, um, you know, there are so many people, they don't take God at his word, okay? And and the Lord has staked everything on his word. You know, I, I thought about this one time too, son, and that is, I, I was trying to think, you know, God wants all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So God wants everybody in heaven. And I was trying to reconcile that with, but, Okay, so if God wants that, then why isn't that going to happen? Because clearly it's not going to happen. And, and then it occurred to me, son, there is something that God wants more than everybody in heaven. Uh, there has to be. And, and here's what it is. He wants people to take him at his word. He wants people to do what Adam and Eve were supposed to have done, take, take him at his word, avoid that middle tree. Okay, and, and, and so, yes, God wants everybody in heaven but he wants something even more. Think about in your own life. There may be something you want for your life or your marriage or your family, but then there's something you want far more than that, okay? So why, why shouldn't God be allowed to do that? Yes, God wants everybody in heaven, 
but 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 he wants he wants it on his terms, and that is if you'll trust him, just simply believe what he says. Don't believe the devil's lie. He lied to Adam and Eve. He deceived Adam and Eve. He said, "What well, did God really say?" Okay. So if you want to get on God's bad side, okay, then ignore his word, reject his word, and don't believe him because that leads to death, destruction, and eternal hell. Uh, just ask the devil. Uh, he knows all about it. And the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And you know why the devil is going to be tormented day and night forever and ever? Because he turned away from the word of God. He turned away from accepting his place uh, that God had given him. God had given him a very high place as a very high angel. But, but no, it was no longer good enough for him to worship his creator. He wanted to worship. He wanted it all himself, and he threw it all away. And he's taken a whole bunch of people with him and a whole lot of angels with him. And so the only thing you have to decide today, my friend, is whose team do you want to be on? Today, tomorrow, and forever. The devil's team or God's team? The, the, the dominion of darkness or, or, or the kingdom of light? I mean, it, it's a simple, simple choice. And, and even if you can't see it right now happening, because you're just not into it, okay, will you ask God for a new heart? That's your will, okay? That's your will. I'm not saying you got to feel something right now. I'm saying with your will, will you choose to ask God, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true? Why not try that today? Have you tried it? Have you ever said, God, if you're real, change my heart? Jesus, if you're real, change my heart. You don't have to be afraid of that. Satan wants you afraid of that. You know why? He wants you to suffer forever. God wants you in heaven. Try it today. Try asking God to change change your heart. See what happens, and you'll be so glad you did. Dan Delzell, Christian Post author. You got all kinds of articles there, and then also a uh, pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. If they want to find out or maybe reach out to you or find out more, where can they uh, contact you at? Well, I tell you, son, if, if they were to just look at um, Redeemer. Uh, in Papillion, Nebraska, P-A-P-I-L-L-I-O-N. They'd be able to listen to um, some of these online messages uh, uh, that, that I've been given the last uh, six weeks or so while we're in this lockdown. Um, or they could just go to the Christian Post. Uh, in fact, I just had an article uh, that posted yesterday entitled How to Have a Conversation with God. And, uh, I, you know, it could bring them great encouragement and insight. And, um, you know, we, we want to do anything we can, Son, to help anybody, you know, come closer to the Lord and meet him and, and then begin to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, and for me, you can follow me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And, and Dan, as we wrap up here, um, you can also email uh, email me at sonedom at gmail.com. Um, anything else you want to add as we kind of wrap things up here for this conversation on hell? Well, you know, son, maybe if I just uh, were to offer maybe a short prayer and then anybody who might like to just use these words from their own heart, uh, how about if we did something like that? That sounds good. Okay. Well, my friend, if you're listening today and feel like, you know, you're ready and, and you're ready to take that step, um, would, would you just in your own heart just say, dear God, um, you know, I am a lawbreaker. Uh, I'm not perfect by any stretch. I've sinned against you, and the Bible says my sin uh, has to be paid for. Lord, I don't want to pay for my sin. I want, I want to accept Jesus' payment for my sin. And so wash away my sins today with the blood of Jesus. Come into my heart. Um, I surrender my life to you, Lord. I repent of my sin, and I believe that you, Jesus, are the King of kings and Lord of lords and the, the promised Messiah and the Savior of the world. And I trust you today as my Savior. I receive you today by faith. And I stand on your promise that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. And then help me to be connected to a strong, loving, gracious, uh, Bible-based, Christ-centered church. And thank you, Lord, for letting me hear this podcast today about heaven and hell and Jesus and, and what it means to be born again, saved, justified, redeemed, and forgiven. Um, thank you, Lord, for rescuing me from hell and, and uh, help me now uh, to do what that rich man in hell cannot do. Help me to reach my family. Help me to speak to my family. Help me to reach my friends, Lord, um, because life is short and they too are going to stand before you on Judgment Day. And now, Lord, that you've given me this message, help me to help prepare others uh, 
by pointing them to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Hell's hot, don't go. There you go. <laughs> Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Happy birthday to your mother. Um, Thank you, son. Yeah. I'll let her know. And, uh, and, and hopefully she has a blessed day and a blessed year, and yes. we look forward to our next conversation. Oh, I, I sure do as well, son. Thanks so much for uh, this time today and, and just the, the most critical topic we could ever talk about. And for you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.